Hello and welcome to the OASBO podcast. My name is Callie Wells, Director of Marketing and Communications at OASBO. I'll be serving as your host. Thank you for tuning in. This week, we have a segment from a webinar on certificates of transition. But first, a few reminders for this week. First, are you interested in becoming a school treasurer or know someone who is? We have a seminar coming up on June 8th that walks attendees through what it's like to be a school treasurer. You can register for the So You Want to Be a School Treasurer seminar at learn.oasbo-ohio.org. For those ready to pursue their treasurer's license now, the Essentials of School Business Boot Camp will be taking place July 11th through the 25th, with all six courses required in OASBO's ODE-approved pathway for treasurer's licensure offered back-to-back. This includes the brand-new Essentials of Leadership course. You can attend all six courses or pick and choose which you'd like to attend, even if it's just one. This is a great opportunity for those pursuing licensure and for those looking just to brush up on a single topic. Applications for this year's Leadership Institute are now open and due June 30th. Please be sure to get your application in for this engaging and interactive three-month fully online leadership masterclass. Learn more and download the application at oasbo-ohio.org. Next up today, we have another update from OASBO's Executive Director, Jim Rowan. This week, he's talking about getting involved with OASBO. Today's podcast message is on how to get involved in OASBO. As a member of OASBO, there are numerous ways you can get involved. When you reflect on OASBO's mission, our focus is on advocacy, collaboration, and innovative education. On the advocacy front, you could consider joining the Legislative Committee, Education Finance Committee, or AOS Advisory Committee. All three committees are involved in advocating for legislation or best practices in the area of school business management. On the collaboration front, there are many opportunities to get involved with various networks. You have your local chapters, meetings with treasurers from your county or region. Consider joining an OASBO statewide committee or applying for a leadership role at the chapter or committee level. Later in 2022-23, we will be seeking nominations for vice chair that will go into effect for a two-year term, effective July 1, 2023. You can consider applying for position on the OASBO board or the foundation board. And consider attending a local, state, or national seminar or conference and expand your network through the school business profession. Relating to innovative education, there are numerous opportunities to join the Professional Development Committee, volunteer to facilitate or speak on topics, submit presentations to be integrated into OASBO's Professional Development Program, or consider writing an article for the E-News or SBO magazine. We recognize that members are extremely busy dealing with matters in their school districts, so the level of involvement varies member by member. Please note that OASBO is a member-driven organization and your involvement is paramount in our success as an organization. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me via jim at oasbo-ohio.org or by cell at 513-280-1053 if you would like to discuss opportunities to get involved with OASBO. Thank you for being a member and for everything you do to serve our public school districts. Thank you, Jim. For the bulk of this episode, you are now going to hear a portion of a webinar on the Certificate of Transition. The Certificate of Transition requires all Ohio fiscal officers, including school district treasurer CFOs, to provide 
to their successors a complete and accurate list of items as required by statute and as prescribed by the Auditor of State. In this segment, you'll hear from Dan Hedden, partner at Baker Tilly Municipal Advisors. Marvin Founds, Director of Education Finance at Baker Tilly, also presented this webinar. Let's take a listen. When Marvin sent me this information about the transition, he asked me, you know, what do you think? You know, is this a big deal? And I'm like, well, not really. It's in, in some ways it's it's common sense, but in other ways it, it's a uh, a pretty clear message. But the, the certificate of transition is a way, is something at least in my observation where we put in writing things that we probably already do. And, and if we don't already do it, it's a game plan or some guidance on how to structure this in a way uh, to facilitate an orderly transition of government. And many of you, if we did a show of hands, if we had the ability to do that, if we were in a remote or a live environment, I just ask you, show of hands, how many of you showed up on the first day and everything was in order and you had a smooth transition? I'd probably get several, uh, but I, I'll bet you I would get more hands if I said I, they showed up and they didn't necessarily know where the key to the bathroom was. So there's all kinds of, of a, a spectrum of, of experiences here. And, and in this virtual room, we probably have something from every point on that spectrum. But what this certificate does is it attempts, or it, I think it does a good job actually of saying, okay, here's the minimum. Make sure this stuff is, is in order and make sure that you have it uh, pretty much on demand. So as the, the House bill says, all Ohio County treasurers, Ohio County treasurers and fiscal officers have to do this uh, for their successors. It's not optional. It's not if you want to, it's, you know, get it. It's a kind of a get it done um, order. So I, I talked earlier briefly about you know, the types of transitions. And, and again, we all come with our own experiences here. And this, this certificate of transition is intended to address all experiences. You know, standard transitions that we can plan for and we know are coming and maybe friendly, you know, retirement followed by a successor. All of those probably aren't what we're talking about here, but the unexpected transitions and unexpected has a lot of different definitions. Some of them, you know, un unfortunate to talk about, but others of people just waking up one day and saying, you know what, I quit, I'm moving, you know, I'm going somewhere else. And, and those can be very disruptive. So this certificate of, of transition uh, gives some assurance that there'll be continuity of of administration uh, during during times of change, and as I said earlier, I, you know, since 19, you know for several years now, I've woken up all day every day dealing with matters that affect local governments and, and school districts and 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 every other form of government. And frequently, I get a phone call on Monday morning uh, over the years of you know our person left. We need help today. We don't know what to do, and some form of, of this is really my playbook. Okay, you know, where's, you know, who signs the checks? You know, where, where, are, the, where are the keys? What are the passwords to get into your accounting system? Just, you know, that basic 101 that they will need in order to be functional before they can get operational. So I've used this technique and these tools for years uh, to help clients that are in panic mode. Generally, if it's an orderly transition, you know, these are things that are discussed maybe during a, a formal handoff or, or whatever, but this stuff does happen. And none of us can, can guarantee that when we leave that it's going to be 
at a time of our choosing and that everything's gonna be in order. In fact, we know uh, from our experience that we're never done with anything. There's always something that's coming. There's always a deliverable. There's always something that's in progress. There's always something that our successor is going to need to know. Um, just thinking in, like in my life, whenever I go on vacation, I pull in my team. We talk about everything that I've got going on. I kind of brain dump on them, everything that's open so that if there is something that happens while I'm gone, they have a fighting chance of, of responding versus me just leaving and, and the next phone call becoming a, a problem for whoever was uh, silly enough to answer the phone. The certificate of transition, Marvin and I, we were fortunate enough, we, we had a, a call with the auditor of state just to, to go over this, to make sure that the comments that we prepare for you are in line with the intent. And uh, as it turns out, we were correct uh, on what we were thinking. So um, the, the certificate of transition, when you read through it, it's very, you know, there's a lot of detail in it. And we're going to go through all that uh, slide by slide here coming up. But the certificate of transition is a framework or it's a policy. And the, by definition, a policy is something that's going to set parameters uh, for decision making, but leaves room for some flexibility. So all of you have experience. Some of it's very new experience. Some of you have been around for a very long time. That experience can shape how you develop your certificate of transition. So it's not a literal interpretation of what you see. It's a uh, parameter. So as you read through it, if you're like, well, that really doesn't make sense for us, you've got freedom to go off script. Uh, the main thing is to document that and document, you know, how you're how you are responding to this uh, this certificate requirement. And down below, we talk about procedures. So procedures, on the other hand, are really step by step. And you know, one of the one of the best examples I have of this is one of the things I remember most from all of my education throughout my entire lifetime. And, and this one was actually in third grade. Uh, we had a, and many of you may have done the same thing where we had a exercise where we needed to provide instruction and our teacher followed our instruction to the letter. And it was, uh, the, re the requirement was, tell me how to make a peanut butter sandwich. So, and then the cool part was that when you were done, you got to eat it. So I was excited and the, the, it was simply a piece of paper, tell me how to make a peanut butter sandwich. So I said, get out a piece of bread and put the peanut butter on it, which is perfectly, uh, perfectly clear in my mind. So my teacher got out a piece of bread, took the peanut butter jar, put it in the middle of the bread and handed it to me. So I didn't get to eat a peanut butter sandwich. I got to eat a piece of bread with a jar of peanut butter indentation in it. But what she was asking for were procedures. What I gave her was a policy. So the difference between policy and procedures is really just the, the detail and the act or the detail at a granular level that you're going to provide. This certificate isn't asking for the exact procedures of go to the file cabinet, insert the key, turn it counterclockwise until you hear a click, open the file cabinet, reach in the file cabinet, go back six folders, and here that's where you're. XYZ is, is more creating a, an environment or a map that are, is going to help a person coming into office to be functional uh, day one out of the gate. So the next part of this, and really for the balance of my presentation, we're going to talk about why this is, is common sense. And many of us 
have grown up in a world where you know, internal controls have been more and more stressed, particularly as we get into an electronic environment or cloud environment and turnover and, and gone through audits and received feedback from auditors about the importance of internal controls. And internal controls, really nothing more than a framework that gives us, tries to attempts to take um, widely understood concepts and put them into a structure that we can use to follow and to build an internal control uh, set of policies and procedures, going back to our earlier slide. So one of the ways that we do that, and some of you may have already seen this, this graph, this is from the COSO, uh, which is a committee on uh, sponsoring organizations of the Treadway Commission. Essentially, it's a, a federal governmental um, think tank, if you will, that put out a framework for internal controls. And I think this framework goes back to, uh, I noticed that my graph is, is um, poor here, but I think it goes back to 2013 when this came out. And the framework is saying, in essence, that we're trying to develop a way to improve our operations, our reporting, and our compliance. You know, those are our objectives. That's what we want to get done. And we're going to do that by establishing uh, these components of internal controls around a control environment, you know, a tone at the top, risk assessment, where are we exposed, control activities, how do we do things, information and communication, how do we, uh, how do we, manage our data and then monitoring activities. What do we do to make sure that we continuously uh, review and improve? And as I looked at the, the certificate and I look at the internal controls, there's really a, a lot of synergy there. So those of you that have a really strong internal control uh, system right now, you're gonna find that many of the things that are asked for in the certificate tie right into that. And you may already have this done. It's just a matter of pulling it out of your existing framework and tying it to this certificate. Um, one other element of an internal control framework are these 17 principles of internal controls. And, and again, you can find this in the COSO uh, documentation. I've given you a link at the bottom of this particular slide on how to get there. But there's, there's 17 principles that we're trying to accomplish. And I'm going to go through a few of those on the, the next slides as it relates specifically to this certificate of transition. And the, the purpose here is to let you know that if you've already got internal controls in place, you probably already have some of this addressed. And if not, uh, these are a, a, a game plan for you on how to do that. If you have the certificate of transition in front of you, you know from House Bill 450 that there were templates associated with that, one for school districts, one for counties, one for uh, you know municipalities and so on and so forth. So. What we have done for your presentation is take the exact language out of the certificate. I'm gonna to tie it to where it is in the COSO manual. And for those of you that are advanced and know the COSO framework or the internal control framework back and forth, you may say, well, geez, Dan, I had to pick control activity 13, not control activity 11. What are you, knucklehead? That's fine. Um, this is my version. It doesn't mean that it's right. Internal controls uh, may vary by unit to unit. There is no blanket set of internal control documents. If there were, all of us would just photocopy and put our name on it and we'd be done. But control activities are, are, are an individual decision. The framework gives you the, the guidelines or the anchor posts that you can use uh, for your individual situation. So the first, the, the first parameter or um, policy 
on their certificate is that any keys or other physical access to offices, vehicles, and other property um, and public aspects in, in my possession and under my purview that you'll document where that is and be able to hand it off. Well, if you're following an internal controls, that's already built into your internal controls on making sure that you that you document where and how to get into things. So if if there's a key log and the key is signed out to someone that there's a log that shows we signed the uh, front door key out to Marvin Founds on December 3rd and it, we show it is still outstanding. And in theory, we could go to Marvin anytime and say, hey, where's the key? He could produce it. We test it in the lock. We know that it still works and we could, you know, we can go on down the line. So this is is telling you formally that all that stuff's important. And if you take the time to go through that process and, and document it, not only are you enhancing your internal controls, which makes your auditors happy, but you are complying with the certificate. And the lift on this really isn't very much, but in your situation, maybe they're not physical keys. Maybe it's a keypad or it's something else. So you are gonna have to adjust to your particular situation um, so your policy may be different than the specific guidance in this particular uh, certificate. So I hope that concept makes sense because we're gonna go back to that a lot, the difference between the policy, the framework, and the procedures, which is the actual step-by-step. -step. The second thing is a listing of, of all uh, credit, debit, purchasing, procurement card, procure, okay, procurement cards, as well as a list of any other authorized users. Uh, some of you may not even have P cards, uh, if you don't, obviously, there's not much you can do here other than say we don't have P cars so that the person coming in doesn't start looking for them. Uh, the third bullet point is listing of all systems utilized, including accounting and inventory systems and directions to access them. Oh, my God, this is this is important. Um, I'll bet at least one of you and probably a dozen of you when you took office, it was probably three or four days before you realized that they had um, a, a piece of software. You know, maybe it was two or three days before you realized that you had a banking portal, um, or maybe a couple of weeks before you realized that you had a a, a direct um, you know one eight hundred number to your software vendor for a for for support. So this element here is saying, look, we've all been through it. Uh, sometimes it's it's hard to to know everything that's available to you on day one. And we certainly don't want you to, to waste your time or to have undue stress coming into office or leaving office about uh, what, what people have access to. So if you're leaving office, maybe your protection here is that it's gonna reduce those follow-up phone calls of people calling you up and saying, uh, hey, Marvin, where did, you, uh, where did you leave the keys to the pop machine? Or, you know, hey, Marvin, what's the, what's the password to this uh, payroll program? You know, and if you're coming into office and you've got to make payroll, uh, you don't have to find Marvin out on the beach somewhere uh, to try to get access to something when people need their, their payroll checks cash or uh, Britain, I should say. So listing of all systems utilized, including accounting and inventory systems and directions to access them. Uh, frequently, if you have an advanced IT department, you've got a complete listing of everything that's electronic or anything that is uh, where you have a, a license or a subscription because all of that is maintained typically by your IT department. So there's you've got head starts on a lot of this. This particular part of the guidance is just prompting you to get that organized and be prepared uh, to, to hand it off uh, during any uh, handover of uh, or transition. Uh, bank and investment accounts, including uh, reconciliations and accompanying support and signatories. 
uh, along with any other related external systems. I, I can tell you in real world events within within three weeks within three weeks from today, or less than three weeks ago is a much better way to say that. Less than three weeks ago, I got a call from a school business official in Northern Indiana saying, hey, our uh, finance officer is resigned and we have payroll. And he is the only person that is a signature on our bank account. So a little bit of a panic mode there and a lot of phone calls with banks and, and uh, uh, school board and superintendents and everyone else that, that could help make the decision. Later, we got it all fixed, but this was against the clock of needing to be able to cut payroll checks. So that is a extremely stressful information, stressful, was an extremely stressful time for them. And had something like this been in place, we could fairly deduce that we could have avoided that problem. So the other benefit of this certificate of transition is also helping you think through areas to keep yourself out of trouble uh, and trouble being defined as headache. And I think all of us live in the biggest fear of we send out the payroll checks and then the phone calls start coming in from the employees that never got paid. So listing of all bank and investment accounts, I can give another recent example. I work with a, a, a client in Northern Indiana and we were compiling their financial statements for their, for their GAAP financial statements and we're off $6 million. Uh, between what we have recorded in the funds and what we see on the bank reconciliation and did every technique possible to try to find the $6 million because, you know, our assessment was that it's not missing. There's, there's something weirder going on at play here. And sure enough, after we asked enough questions and talked to enough people, there was a $5 million CD that they'd had forever that had fallen off a of master list of you know, the person that, that knew about it was on vacation when didn't, nobody else knew about it. Um, it just sort of got lost in the, in the shuffle and through transition, a new auditor in, in that particular position, uh, just they weren't aware. And we finally found it because we went through the bank statements themselves and I found a transaction for about that amount and I traced it to the account that it said it came from. And that wasn't a statement that had been presented to us. So we were able to sort of reverse engineer our way into it. But in the meantime, a lot of stress for the uh, client, a lot of stress for us because you know, we uh, are under a deadline to get their, their financial statements issued. But my point is things happen and they happen a lot during transition when institutional knowledge is not handed off in a systematic way. If institutional knowledge is handed off over a sandwich at lunch, that's probably not a good way to, to help the incoming officials. So this is, again, it's a prompt to say, you know, put it, put it together in a way that uh, the person behind you can use it. And on the other end of the spectrum, many of you are like, well, geez, all I got to do is pull audit work paper one, two, three from our audit pack and give it to the incoming official because it's got everything that they need. And you're absolutely right. So in this case, you don't have to do a, a, a darn thing different. Just pull out the work paper that you know that based on your experience that they need in response to this particular request, and they'll be fine. But the, the difference is that the incoming person has no idea that all they need to do is go to audit work paper one, two, three. So you're just going to leave them a breadcrumb that they can pick up on and have all the information that, that you're familiar with. That wraps up this episode of the OASBO podcast. If you'd like to watch the Certificate of Transition webinar in full, 
you can find it in the course catalog at learn.oasbo-ohio.org. The webinar also includes a sample certificate of transition. We hope you'll tune in for the next episode and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you get the episode as soon as they come out. Until next time, please connect with us on OASBO's online community, Collaborate, at collaborate.oasbo-ohio.org. <laughs>